Hello, and welcome to episode 188 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybach, and joining me this evening are my lovely co-hosts, Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this evening, Vrabin? I'm doing okay. I'm getting over cold, so if my voice cracks or wobbles, that is why. But gotcha. I'm glad to be here, nonetheless. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that you're getting over your cold. And Spirit, how are you doing this morning afternoon? Uh, truthfully... Um, I am damp and smell faintly of lemons because <laughs> if you're <laughs> I think we just got our episode title. Well, you wanted to know. I had one of those moments where I was talking to Christian and I was like, yeah, I know how to use a cup. I've been using a cup all my life. And then I dumped my lemonade all over myself. You know when you have those days? I I can imagine. Yeah. Um, wow. That is a great start to this episode because there may... I, my mind went completely somewhere else. Because if I'm not mistaken, you were going to, like, foster kittens, right? Oh, a long time ago, but we can't in our apartment. Oh, well, I thought, like, you had a giant kitten mess and you needed lemons to get the smell out. Oh, I wish. That's I would trade that for uh, inability to operate a glass. <laughs> wow. We are already getting off topic and we have barely even started. Hey, anyway. This might be as good as our peanut butter side trail, though. This is, <laughs> I mean, sure. This is the, this is the pre-topic sidetrack, so it's not really a sidetrack. It's just a weird track into the middle of nowhere. But anyway, this week we are going to maybe talk about raid balance. I actually never heard from Spirit if she actually wanted to talk about that anymore. I mean, um, I can briefly, but it is a it is a momentous occasion, so we can always just put it off another week. You guys will never know what happened to raid balance, but something important enough that we've like threatened to talk about it three weeks ago, but not important enough to ever talk about it. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, and the other topic or collection of topics, so to speak, is that we've decided it's time to do yet another yearly ramble spective as it is coming up on three years since I've started doing this podcast. And it's been about a year or nine months since the last one we did it. I can't remember whether we did it around PAX last year or post Heart of Thorns launch, but it seems to be that that time of year. So this is going to be probably a super long podcast that's extremely rambly. So uh, you, you have been warned, listeners. Um, is there anything that either of you would really like to kick this off with? Because obviously the topics we talk about first are going to get the most attention because we're not burned out and uh, sidetracked yet. I mean, I don't really have anything in particular, I guess. I don't know. Okay. Um, well, then uh, we can just go. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, let's Robin. just go. Oh, I guess the topics I would like to, as seen in the notes, like to cover is Michael Bryan as game director and is the game dying. That's at the, at, at the end of our notes. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about those a little bit later, especially the okay. last one. But the Michael Bryan one's going to sort of tie into several topics. So I think some of these topics are really going to get collapsed um into one another but the first thing we just put is just sort of general thoughts on the impacts of heart of thorns now that it's been nine months or so since it came out um i sort of just broke it down into the the main things that came with heart of thorns which are or at least that have lasting impact which are specializations masteries new legendaries and raids um is there anything you guys want to talk about with specializations? I feel like everybody's pretty fine with them. Like, there hasn't really been much change. The only change there really um, was, it kind of wasn't specializations. It was to unlock them, was at the beginning when they cost like 400, 400 points, and now they cost, what, 250? Which was a good change. 
No, that was for unlocking your, um, or wait, sorry, was that, were you talking about specializations? See, I still, to this day, mix up specializations and masteries. No, that was specializations, I'm pretty sure, because your specialization yeah. is your, like, your new multi-class thing, like, what Revenants had Dragon Lord, it wasn't Dragon Lord. Dragon Hunter? No, no, or- Dragon Hunter was, was uh, the Guardian. Oh, you're what talking about, like, have? The, the glint. Harold. Uh, yeah, Harold, that's right. Harold, yes. and we had that goofy guy as our image. on the, That was awesome, Spirit, by the way. I'm sure you did that. The, the thumbnail for our episode, the Harold, it was Harold. Like, <laughs> some guy named Harold. Yeah, anyway. it absolutely was, Spirit. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, sorry, yes, I meant to say Masteries haven't changed that much since they came out, and I was going to talk about specializations a little bit more in depth because, like, okay. they affect balance I got and all you. those I'm things. Tracking. Yeah. Um, so like masteries, they came out in a really rough spot in some ways where a lot of them felt super grindy to get, but they've really cleaned that up a lot. Um, mm-hmm. it, I guess I should start by asking, I know the answer for spirit, but have you both finished unlocking all of your masteries or at least all of the non raid masteries yet? Yes. Um, no, I have not. Okay. Interesting. So what, which masteries are you missing or is it a lot of them? I can see it's character wide. Yes, it is character wide. Let me look real quick. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can see it on any character. It's account wide. So I'm missing one raid mastery. It looks like. Then I'm missing Adrenal Mushrooms and Newhawk Alchemy. And um, the reason I haven't gotten those is because I didn't care for the uh, those little mini game things that you'd had to do. Adventures well, had to do adventures. Yeah, and you know they're better now that they are more accessible. But when I was playing Hot when it came out, it seemed like they were always inaccessible. And I wasn't going to sit around and wait with the limited time I had to play, waiting for them to open up. And those are basically the mastery points that I'm missing in order to get Newhawk Alchemy and or It's a Lore. Oh, yeah. And so now that I, I hear that they're more available, I think I've been in a couple of them that I hadn't before. But I just don't have the drive to go back when I was really turned off by them because I couldn't get to them. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. That's exactly the kind of thing I wanted to talk about, actually, because I think both Spirit and I really, both on this one and on Legendaries, both played really hard back when it was a lot grindier. And both, you know, we both made a Legendary before they sort of did their hot cleanup, and we both mm-hmm. um, ground out our Masteries. And so I know that from from my personal perspective, I got kind of burned out from doing that. But it's it's interesting to see that you got burned out as well without having finished them. But that has still persisted, even though it's easier to get them now. Because like for us, there's no reason to go back and get them. We're like we've already got them, right? So it doesn't matter that it's easier. I guess you could say the frustration. I'm I'm still jaded over it, and I think I would really be uh, miffed, so to say. If I hadn't chosen, because I was had to choose between Newhawk Mastery, Leyline Gliding, or what's the other one? Um, uh, Exalted. It's the lore. There's the Exalted. It's the ones yeah. I had. I, I did get mushroom. Exalted. I actually did finish Exalted. So if I hadn't chose um, Leyline Gliding, though, is what I'm getting to, I would have been really upset. I mean, not upset. But I really would have been annoyed that I had to go back and get it, um, and then to use it in the Bloodstone map. Because it's not required, but extremely useful in Bloodstone fan. Yeah. So I was really, really fortunate that I happened to chose gliding instead of it's a lore or first. Or I'm sorry, new hawk lore. Yeah, that's interesting. Spirit, what are your thoughts on the effect of including masteries in, uh, not including new masteries, but including existing masteries in new content, uh, especially with regard to people that may have not played hot or not played it as much? Like, 
if you maybe played a little bit of hot and then for whatever reason didn't play it for a while and then now you're trying to get back into living story if you don't have you know i mean everybody pretty much has gliding one but if you don't have those gliding masteries how do you do you have any thoughts about that on future content, both for new expansion eventually and living story? Like, um, I guess to me, Bloodstone, I mean, we've only got one map since Heart of Thorns proper, right? So this is now Bloodstone Fen as part of the living story season three, which is part of Heart of Thorns, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, what Bloodstone Fen really feels like to me is a way for people who haven't necessarily got those masteries to get caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that mostly because of how prevalent experience is in this map and just like it throws it at you. Um, and you can also like boost your experience gain in this map permanently. So if you wanted like if you were behind on Heart of Thorns and you wanted to get caught up, um, playing in Bloodstone Fen is a really great way to do that, except for mastery points, because it does come with a few mastery points. But by and large, those are going to be um sort of in hot proper but if you're just looking to grind xp then bloodstone fen is a great place to do that um so it seems like uh i don't know the phrase like a a great equalizer i guess in terms of getting people caught up but um yeah because it also i mean we've talked about this a little bit when we talked about bloodstone fen where they decided to go for whatever reason and i can think of a number of reasons why they would do this um they decided to give glider skills as unlocks for the zone not uh as masteries um and i think if they i don't know it's a bit weird because i think if they wanted to push masteries farther they could have easily made them masteries but they did not Mm -hmm. um which is a bit weird the other the other thing is I know this isn't quite answering your question. This is going off on another sort of a tangent. But uh, if they had made these masteries and they would have had to make them applicable elsewhere, we would have been at maps would map borders would no longer be holy. <laughs> there's there's no no keeping us out of the abyss and everything else that is just going to be an absolute mess if we can just, you know, fly horizontally in a line anywhere. Sure. Right. Um. Yeah, and I mean, it, it makes me have to think about when they release the next expansion, it's going to have a separate set of masteries, assuming that they carry them forward, which they said they would. But it's going to have a separate set of masteries, and experience in those maps aren't going to count towards hot maps. So while the living story counts towards your hot masteries, which I think is great that they do, um, you know, it's it's sort of got a not a time limit on it, but there's definitely going to be a period where if you don't have all the masteries you want by the time the next expansion comes out, it's going to be kind of a similar situation to when Hot released and people really wanted Tyrion masteries, especially auto loot. And it was you get stuck in a situation where you want to try the new content, but the masteries that you maybe want either in general or for a specific thing are stuck in old content and yeah but i mean i guess by the same token if you had been playing hot as much as we'd been playing Corteria before then you would have the masteries so mm-hmm. um uh sort of on a side note it'd be really interesting uh living story season two the front half of that has masteries from Corteria, and the back half has masteries masteries from heart of thorns so wouldn't it be interesting if one day you know we log on for living story episode four or whatever and all of a sudden the mastery points from it have changed colors and we're like oh yeah that's true that's that's a good point too that'd be really interesting if you could start getting mastery points before before you could use them 
or I doubt it, that'll happen, but it, it's just sort of a cool thing to think about. Or you know, I mean, that's effectively what happened about though. that time. Like we just didn't know that we were going to get mastery points for them. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, so how do you feel? How do you guys feel about now that they've ironed out a lot of the experience on things? They've learned some lessons about adventures. They've they've made it so that experience is a little bit easier to come by for those things. How do you? feel in terms of positive, negative, indifferent on the continuation of using more masteries in the next expansion? Um, if I'm, I'm looking forward to it, not as much as other things, uh, but it's not something I'm going to be irritated by or disappointed in. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's not something that's going to sell me the expansion. Like if I, you know, if I'm on the fence or whatever about it, you know, you know, new new movement abilities or, you know, whatever they come up with. And I hope they push it a little bit farther in terms of what they do. I hope they, they've they learned from uh, some of the less interesting masteries, like, you know, you uh, New Hawk Alchemy NPC. for the longest time. <laughs> yeah. For the longest time, they just weren't that interesting. And they've done a little bit to make it better. But hopefully, you know, they've sort of learned which, which masteries people like to pick up, which ones they don't. And they push them to be a little bit more interesting. Mm -hmm. um, if they do that, maybe I'll be a little bit more interested. But yeah as it is right now like it's it's a cool progression system i you know thousands of times prefer it to say them expanding the level cap sure <laughs> you know, like definitely it, when when presented with the other options i would absolutely rather have the mastery system every time but it's also not the selling point of the next expansion for me sure Robin, do you have any thoughts on that i don't know just going back to what i said about the adventures and how uh I was annoyed that they were... Uh, they didn't annoy me so much themselves, it's just that I was blocked to get to them. So if either they don't put them in something that's blocked, or if they make more of them available through maybe just the story, I think that would be my only uh, suggested tweak. Um, but I'd much, like Lixpear said, much rather have them as opposed to a, a new level cap. So I think that's something that they just need to develop and iterate on like they uh, like, they like to do. Yeah, and I think that they... I think it's clear that they've learned some of those things just because of that quarter one patch, which we can talk about a little bit more, but they they made a lot of those things less painful, and I think we can all agree that we sort of wish that that's how the game had released in the first place. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so that brings us on to specializations, which is, you know, your new elite specs the the reaper and the herald and all those things do you guys feel that they've been a, con a positive contribution to the game or do you uh oh, actually just just thoughts in general how about you go Robin? Hmm. i think it was fun to have i mean i really saw them as a little bit of creeping into the guild wars one territory mm -hmm. of uh dual classing i mean we're not dual classing but there's aspects of that it just felt like to me i mean even though the the warrior's uh, berserker didn't become magical in any way. All that fire kind of felt magical to me. Sure. And what did the ranger do? Went the ranger went healer druid, and that was just just felt like you know throw up. There were, I think they even named skills. There were skills that were named and uh, masteries that were named after uh, you know monk spells. Yeah. So I really liked that direction where it wasn't the same as, you know, Guild Wars 1, but they took cues from it. There were skills that did similar things with similar names. And so I, I really liked that. And it gave more playability to the classes. It, was, it wasn't like, oh, Her Herald's the only new thing. I'm sorry, Herald was the specialization for the uh, 
Revenant, but Revenant wasn't the only new um, uh, thing. It's like, hey, if you really loved your class, here's something new and, and dig it out. And it gave me something new to do in the game as a, I'd say I'm a, like a semi-completionist player. I don't maybe eke out every dungeon or raid, but I like to uh, be able to play every ability and every weapon type and see how I feel for it. Um, I like to uh, do the meta, but also get away from the meta and see if I like Axe Mace or whatever it is better than the meta. I'll use that. And I thought it was really cool to kind of take my time and get my specialization on every class because before I think before Hot Launched, I did get every uh, class to 80. Sure. So you're more like perhaps not a completionist, but an all-rounder. Yeah. Yeah, I would describe myself the same. I am not really a completionist, but I, I like dabbling here and there, and there's definitely some things that I play more or less than, than others, but um, yeah, I'm definitely more of a play lots of things some than than only play one thing a lot. Um, Spirit, how do you feel about the impact on the game, both just in terms of fun but also in terms of balance since you're the main raid person uh, of with specializations well it, purely in terms of fun the i think elite specs were the greatest thing out of heart of thorns like in my personal opinion mm-hmm. um not only did they give life to classes that i had played ex- extensively and enjoyed but they also brought different enough play styles to classes that i didn't enjoy um, that I have now have started playing them and enjoying them. Like if you asked me about rangers two years ago, I would have been like, "Rangers are dumb. Who plays a ranger?" And now right. it's my main. I've got two Bear and a half farmers. sets of ascended gear. Yeah. I've got two and a half sets of ascended gear on my jersey. Um, I have you know th- two or three different play styles I can do with it. I take it into fractals. Um, I can I can carry raid groups by healing. Um, you know the the introduction of a healer first of all into like a proper healer into the lineup for Gilders 2 professions uh is weird because one of the selling points of this game is like we're no not Trinity. shipping with healers yeah um and to some extent um it fits in really well i feel like in sort of five man content especially fractals i notice um having a, a proper healer in the party makes it a lot easier um which you know is sort of both a good and a bad thing in a you know where you want challenging content um having a healer maybe makes it a little bit too easy to face roll but also makes uh it a little bit possible for groups that are struggling to get into higher level fractals so i guess it just depends on where you fall and the how much pain you like curve Uh, (laughs) (laughs) which is a fantastic curve to be talking about really yeah so i i know i'm way up there so um yeah, it's it's just been sort of a, a very strange thing. Um, I mean, and I guess uh, because it's so intrinsically tied into raids and things, um, I would say there's definitely been there's definitely been like overall power creep in the expand in the elite specs, maybe more oh, than tons. I would hope. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's not to say that the core specs are completely useless. Um, they're definitely builds that discard the elite specs for whatever reason mm-hmm. um but they're they tend to be sort of niche right like like condi ranger if you want to do top dps condi ranger you drop druid and you take uh, skirmishing wilderness and beast mastery whatever they are i don't know offhand because uh, i like druid and i always take druid um but you know if you want to do it in a group setting you know druid druid is going to propel your groups 
uh, DPS way above anything that your your personal DPS could do as a county ranger. So there's that sort of thing. Um, and I don't know. I just think they're the greatest thing, and I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see more of them. I can't wait to see what what happens when you know I'm forced to choose between my druid and my God. What's the next spec going to be? Um, bunny thumper. Oh my that, god, I want a bunny thumper so bad. <laughs> I know, me too. God, this day is full of nostalgia anyway. Yeah, yeah I, so... I agree. I I think by and large, um, unless like you go on Condi Ranger or isn't the uh, Condi uh, Engineer still top spec and it's not uh, using the, uh, yep. the Elite spec? So unless you're um, doing that, I mean, the only well... real choice is uh, using the Elite spec, which kind of annoys me a little bit because for a long time, playing World v. World, I refused to uh, learn how to play my Elementalist with Elite Spec because I was so comfortable and enjoyed, you know, not using Tempest. But I finally broke and had to use Tempest and was able to 1v1 or 1v3 or whatever with my Elementalist again, so. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, in World v. World especially, I also see a lot of Plain Guardians, a lot of Frontline Guardians askew uh, Dragon Hunter for that extra trait line. Um, and I've seen it with Ellie's as well, but... Outside of the, those classes, I don't see base classes all that frequently anymore, I would say. Yeah, I would say that for the most part, elite specs have sort of made those go away. And you you touched on the main thing that I wanted to cover too, which is that it's going to be a lot more interesting, hopefully, in the in the next expansion when we actually do have a choice between yeah, elites. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. One thing I wanted to add, I mean, were you going to go away from elite specs otherwise i can wait uh, uh only in so far as uh, i'm i don't really have anything to add you guys pretty much covered it okay so um, whatever you want to talk about yeah the last thing i wanted to add i mean and this is sort of an again intrinsically tied to raids um what another of the main selling points of the game was uh you know you don't have to every class can do lots of things and you don't have to spend time waiting around for you know looking for healer to go um and it's sort of interesting to see that we've moved away from that. And I don't necessarily feel badly about it, right? Like I don't, you know, when I'm waiting for a raid to form and we need a chronomancer because that's effectively what we've been, like we don't need a healer, but we do need a chronomancer. Um, That is a little bit disappointing to me that um, there are certain classes, Druid and chronomancer obviously are the two that, that come to mind for raids where you have to fill those slots. And I hope, um, I hope something changes with that. Like, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't mind it. I don't, I, you know, I don't mind having to set up my party, my raid party, you know, in a a very specific manner or whatever. Um, But I hope something comes to contest Chronomancer where you could say, you know, oh, we've got this great Chrono Tank, you know, who's been with us for years. He can play his Chronomancer. He loves his Chronomancer. Or, you know, the next Elite Spec, um, something comes out and say, you know, the Thief for some reason. I don't know why. But, you know, thieves are like can compete with Chronomancer on this level. So you can you have the option of taking a thief or a Chronomancer that, you know, do roughly the same thing, but in different ways. Uh, sort of like how, you know, how currently you uh, Druid maybe is what you want. But if you've got a good healing alley around, then you don't really necessarily need a Druid. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that is my big disappointment. Sorry, I think I just think that's my big disappointment with the Elite Specs is that it's created some, some of these niche roles that are just too good at what they do that nothing else can compete with them. Yeah, I totally hear you there. I think that's been sort of consistently a an issue that I and many others have had with Guild Wars 2 just in general in terms of balance is that it seems like most of the classes are built from 
a sort of series of shared mechanic concepts you know like they've streamlined buffs and debuffs into boons and conditions right so you don't have a million hexes that only the mesmer has and you don't have a million hexes that only the necromancer has and and all those things they all for the most part share them but then arena net tends to put out a new mechanic uh, or a very unique mechanic and then only give it to one or two classes and that mecha- those mechanics tend to be extremely strong, and historically they've been fairly meta-defining. Like, and not every class has a unique mechanic that that only they get, right? So, um, reflex have been one that you you know you've heard me gripe about for a long time. And really, there were only two classes that could effectively use reflex, and they were such a big part of sort of speed clearing things for such a long time that. You know, it just creates this this point where when you get to truly challenging content, those classes that can do that feel fairly required. And the introduction of alacrity is is sort of just yet another one of those things. And same thing with with healing. Um, you know, there there wasn't a healing role, and now there is, but really only one class slash kind of a second one can be primary healers. And so that is at odds with what you said with the desire to never feel like you need a specific class to progress so Mm -hmm. um you know like you said hopefully we can get some new things or access to things that can not obsolete them but at least compete with their slots yeah listen anet anet listen i need a necro healer i need it so bad oh that'd be so cool because like ritualist right Yeah. yeah necromancers would be the perfect candidate for being ritualists um yeah. Okay. So, do we want to? How much do we want to talk about legendaries? How how complainy are we going to be about legendaries? <laughs> uh, and how long do we want to be complainy? I mean, I don't want to talk about it super long. I f- I feel like we've talked about it enough. I mean, I'm good. I don't have anything off the top of my head. So, if you want to say your piece, I'll you know add a little bit if I've got something better than that. Well, do you have anything, Robin, specifically? No, I think the same thing. I think I've said it before on the show. I never had any real desire to craft a legendary. I mean, I threw the idea around, but never did. And so the decision to not have more legendaries in the game, though I feel bad for my guildies that um, we're looking forward to that, I think it's great that there'll be more development time for other things, if that actually happens. Yeah, I... Yeah, I mean, like we said, it's... I think people that were looking forward to legendaries are pretty frustrated, and I think that it's kind of... Not kind of. It's very unfortunate to have gone back on that. So, I mean, I can understand that there are complications to development time, but it's kind of frustrating. Um, on the positive note, as we've said many times during this episode and previous ones, the quarter one patch did a lot to alleviate a lot of painful systems, and that includes some of the legendary acquisition so despite the fact that we're not getting more, they've at least made it a lot less painful to get the Heart of Thorns legendaries. So I have to definitely give them kudos for that. And yeah, I don't know. That's that's really all I have to say about that. Um, the last sort of Heart of Thorns specific topic is raids general. Spirit, I feel like you can take the floor on that. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, for me, yeah, you guys all well know by now, raids are... Uh, I guess the thing I was missing from Guild Wars 2, um, it's content that challenges me. Uh, it's content that I feel satisfied completing with a the team. There's always that moment of like, yeah, we did it. We pulled it together. 
there's the sort of puzzle aspect for me of figuring out like how how can we what can we do with our comp to fix like you know what what sort of tricks can we apply um you know what if we what if we reflected what if we brought in a guardian for some extra passive healing what if we switched out one druid for a, a healing ally for that extra passive healing but we sacrifice you know the spotter buffs and stuff i love that puzzle aspect i think about it a lot like it's like when I'm watching dishes or something, I'm like, oh, I wonder if we could just, if we just like, I mean, it, it's it's um, the most in, like engaging part of the game to me right now is to sort of think about things we could try and, you know, I mean, I don't really, if raids were not in the game, I probably wouldn't be playing the game anymore, uh, at least not on a on a daily or weekly basis because. I am just done with dungeons. I am dungeoneer. I finished all of the skins uh, last November. I was just looking through some screenshots yesterday. And I've done fractals to death. You know, I still do them, you know, most days actually, probably now, um, for the gold because they drop a lot of gold. They're they're getting better all the time, actually, truthfully. Fractals, one of the, another great thing that's coming out of Heart of Thorns is um, these revamps on fractals, making them more more challenging, more interesting to do, um, more rewarding, and just altogether pushing that that sort of game type as well. But honestly, uh, without raids, I I wouldn't have invested nearly as much time in Heart of Thorns as I have, and it's on the order of hundreds of hours because I put together I have ten ascended sets now. That was a lot of ascended gear. Wow! Um, because I like to pick things out and get good at them and i like to pick up new builds and go how does this work in a raid i want to try this out you know um between you know between elite specs offering that option and then raids offering the chance to apply it i have got i've like my whole playstyle has changed um i've i used to be really you know sort of sort of story focused i enjoyed dungeon um i enjoyed the open world content but i I didn't play for the buildcraft aspect of it, and that has completely changed with Heart of Thorns. Um, I, you know, I pay much closer attention to my skills now, um, and you know, try and think of my own builds and watch all kinds of like buildcraft stuff. I mean, it just completely changed my playstyle in a, in a way that I really enjoy. So, like all those things sort of coming together have been definitely the highlight of Heart of Thorns for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really cool that it's done that, and. Uh... This is not a mark against raids at all. I think that that's an aspect that has that has and still is sort of missing from Guild Wars 2 for me, and it's not because of raids, but for me that fun came in Guild Wars 1 from having a huge variety of builds that you can do and yeah. um and and having that teamwork be vitally important. Raids are are really the first content raids and high-level fractals that really require some thought into your team composition and that was sort of just a staple part of guild wars one and so the lack of that being widespread and the lack of a lot of new skills and that type of thing has has consistently been sort of a frustrating point for me and it's i'm a little bit sad that i don't i don't really have the time or inclination to do the other things that are involved in raiding um Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that yeah, which is, but, but like, I think though going to what you said about how uh, go throw back to Guild Wars one, I think in Guild Wars one there were many more avenues. I don't want to say there was more than one meta, but you didn't have to do the meta, and you could do so many other things just because there was such a uh, a wealth of different builds in Guild Wars one. Yeah, I mean there 
yeah, there was there was a lot. But that's that's sort of a, a dead horse that I don't really need to beat anymore. But I do want to say that I am I don't know if proud's the right word because it's not like uh I'm responsible for the raids team, but like I'm really proud of the work that they do that they've really managed to pull together a lot of amazing content very quickly and repeatedly have a lot of engaging content that is challenging and yeah i mean like my hat's off to them i think it's really awesome so you know i i really only have positive things to say about raids from an impersonal standpoint if that makes sense like i think that they're great for the game and i'm really glad that they're there for people who do have that time and inclination and i think that they're really strong content so um yeah i mean i think that's I think it's been a really good addition to the game. Oh, <sighs> wow. All right. So that's been half an hour already. Um, <laughs> okay. So the next couple of topics, unless you guys had anything else you wanted to add on, on some of these. Yes. No, maybe. I think I'm good. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Um, cool. So the next couple of topics, uh, I'm I'm going to merge the communication topic in. So, uh let's see when did when did colin leave was that right around the time of the quarter one patch i feel like that's uh correct. yes it, in fact it was the same day because we had an episode titled uh anet giveth and anet crotch puncheth um and i believe that was the <laughs> we found out about the april patch and then also that colin was leaving <laughs> yeah that sounds wow. about right yeah um <laughs> yeah that was rough so yeah colin colin johansson game director uh Moved on from ArenaNet and Mike O'Brien, the president of ArenaNet, uh, sort of is doing both positions from what I can tell. It sounded like it was supposed to be temporary, but uh, it's going on six months now, so I don't know how long you can call that temporary. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Spirit said it before the show, I think, or maybe it was early in the show, but I don't really know exactly what the difference is between the president and the game director, so it's kind of hard to tell what has changed internally all that i can say is that it seems to me like we are getting less communication than we had before where mo's sort of standby quote is oh we're just gonna show you things and we hope you like them and they should speak for themselves which was not too different from how the communications policy was before except that before we also occasionally got a glimpse of the shining sunlight that was Colin's smile where he would like write these great blog posts about where we've been and at least somewhat where they hope to be going. And even though they weren't full of information and there's always that infamous (laughs) blog post about things that didn't come out for like a year or two later, but I miss those and we, we don't have those. And other than that, I don't feel like I've noticed a ton of difference in terms of from from our side of things. Yeah, I would say um, one thing that stands out to me as having changed is um, a lot of times, you know, at least it, uh, so one thing that stands out to me is Heart of Thorns came out. You know, we talked about how there's these sort of pain points where, you know, experience was unnecessarily grindy. These achievements weren't open or whatever. Um Throughout their communication, we sort of got a sense about how Anet felt about these things. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, Arena, we, you know, we as players, we don't, 
we're upset about this. Like, we don't like it for these reasons. And they would go, okay, yeah, we, we hear you. Um, we don't like them either. We'll work on it. And we, I at least feel that we haven't been getting that lately. Um, something goes wrong. We say, Arena, we don't like it for these reasons. And there's dead silence for three months. And then a patch comes out. And we're like, all these things are great. And then silence resumes for three months. And it's... It is frustrating with a capital F, I think is what I said before the show, because it's like, <laughs> it's yep. beyond what I would, you know, what I would call frustrating, um, to the point where I think it's potentially damaging for the game. Like, yeah, we have these great patches every once in a while, but because we, do, we don't know what's coming, um, we have these, these very much boom and bust periods and i noticed this uh primarily as a guild leader like i don't i don't know about you know the whole overall um game population or anything but i can tell you as a guild leader of a fairly you know now a fairly large guild um just based on who who i see logging on for different things um a lot of people come back for the two days after a patch and then are just gone again for the next three months um, you know, a lot of people come back, you know, a sizable number of people come back, play for a week or whatever, and then go, okay, yeah, I'll see you for the next living story three months later. Yeah. <laughs> like, or we don't even know when the next living story is coming out. Like, probably we can assume that it's going to come out in three months, but we don't know. Like, if they decided to go a little bit faster than that, which I, I kind of hope, just based on the quantity of living story of the last one, but I, I just, I don't know anything about this game that I'm, like, supposed to be at. Not like supposed to be an. I don't want to say supposed to be an expert on, but you know, I present a podcast about this game every week. I don't know jack crap about what they're doing. <laughs> like, yeah, that is frustrating to me. Yeah. That is really frustrating to me to to sort of not be able to have any insight on that. Oh, one thing I do want to say though, I don't like we. I sort of laid out all these topics in the show notes, stream of consciousness early on, um, and one thing that happened this week that is absolutely unprecedented in in guild wars 2 is that we had a long period of downtime there was a bug with a patch this week where uh soulbound items were becoming soulbound to the wrong characters and it affected a large portion of the population um and mike o'brien and arena net were extremely uh communicative through the whole thing uh there was blog posts up you know constantly as soon as they knew the total downtime was i think 10-ish hours it was a long time, and that has never, ever, ever happened in the four years that Guild Wars 2 has been out. And so they're... Well, to take it further, the, like, ten years of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2 combined, because yeah. both games have I had that. I definitely remember, uh, and I can't remember the exact number now, but uh, as Guild Wars 2 was coming out, people were like, you know, you d they don't have to take this game down to patch the servers, and people were like, you don't understand... Guild Wars 1 has, like, a combined downtime of, like, 24 hours through its whole lifespan. I think it was less than that. Yeah, yeah it was It's, like, ridiculous. 10. Yeah. It is ridiculously low. So, I, I mean, I do have to commend them for their fantastic, I guess, emergency management. Like, they, they did a great job through that whole thing of, uh, you know, first of all, fixing everything and being communicative about what was being fixed, what was happening. You know, as soon as the details were coming out, we knew. And um, there eventually had to be a two-hour, two 20-minute two rollback. But that was pretty much all that was lost for this, like, what sounds like a major crisis. Right. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think their communication in crisis mode has been perfectly fine. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, I, it was fine. I honestly didn't even follow it that much because I just didn't, you know, that kind of stuff happens. And 
it doesn't happen in Guild Wars, so I they have earned <laughs> weeks of slack from me in terms of <laughs> that kind of problem. So, I mean, you know, great job. Uh, it sucks. I'm sure everybody there was very stressed out, but, you know, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, Robin, do you, what do you, you, one of the one things you wanted to talk about was Michael Bryan as game director. So what do you, do you want to weigh in on this? Oh, I think I was, I was pretty optimistic when we heard that he'd be uh, switching to game director. If I remember what I was uh, saying and feeling in previous episodes. And I kind of feel like, yeah, I agree, agree with you guys. It seems the same, except we don't get um kind of a press release from uh, Kyle Johansson. So yeah, it is kind of, uh, kind of annoying. So I think that's all I'd really add to that. Fair enough. Um, I guess that sort of ties into sort of ties into a couple other subtopics that we had, which is the effects of virtually no communication, which Spirit sort of touched on, and then also the overall health of the community, which is to say that we're not seeing very many new fan sites pop up, and a lot of a lot of them slash us are you know kind of slowly or not so slowly fading out slash not producing content as often um yeah well that is the challenge when there's uh there's not much to go on and the communication about what they're working on has always been veiled to say the least right and i mean that's that's the thing is that i'm sure if you went back and looked at our actual release schedule we do one a week of really long episodes about four weeks in a row after a big patch and then there's before maybe we'd have a little bit of downtime but then there'd be something to talk about and now they're in that time where there would be something to talk about there is not um Mm -hmm. which makes it really really hard for us because you know i mean we we're passionate about this game and you know i mean we've (laughs) episode 188 like but there's only so much we can talk about you know, there's only so much we can talk about the game. There's there's really nothing new for most of us to experience in what's already out, and it's yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to talk about things when there's no new information shared with us, and it's hard to speculate on things other than well, I mean, maybe I should amend that. It's hard for some of us to speculate on things, <clears throat> Eric. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, it's uh, it's a challenge. Um, and but it's 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 across the board you're right about how uh even even other fan sites may have like a bunch of stuff in a week i mean even look at i think wooden potatoes is a good example where um he's starting to do more and more of other games because of the drought of guild wars and you know when the living story came out it was bang 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 video 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 lore 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 because that's his specialization but now it's, it's there's not much yeah it's very interesting where do you where would you guys say and it's hard to say because we've only seen sort of one of these quarterly patches that actually had living story but where would you say your sweet spots were for living story releases in terms of rate because we've had everything from every week to every other week to once a month to once a month ish with a break and then once a month again to now once every three months spirit um I think probably once a month for me. Uh, I so I definitely have this thing, or you know, when I played the the most recent Living Story, I was like, man, you know, I wish the next one was coming out in two weeks or whatever. And I, you know, when I'm playing this uh, current events content, and by the way, I I really do want to get back to like current events just in general. Yeah, uh, we can I talk about that a next lot because needs that, to be said about that. Yeah, that ties into this sort of. Yeah. Um, 
when I think about how frustrated I was or whenever, you know, whenever we, I've got some downtime in Guild Wars, I eventually come around to AP hunting, uh, AP being achievement points. Um, I'm not a hardcore achievement hunter, but it does serve as a nice way for me when I'm like, you know, I've kind of done everything, but I want to play the game. I'm still having fun. I'm looking for something to do. So I use that sort of as a guide. Um, I am always so frustrated to think of the times where we had this content that was out for two weeks and I was so, so irritated trying to get all these achievements done, see all the things that I needed to and balance my school and my work and everything else. Uh, and just so frustrated that that like it happened too fast for me. Um, so I think I prefer like this sort of one month. And I mean, I mean, I know they're not going back to that temporary content, right. but the just a little bit more time to digest it is is really nice. I think. How about you, Robin? Do you have a preferred rate of content release? Um, I think the I like the the two week content. My only complaint with that was though. Um, was it like you had to log in with that two, in within that two-week span, or then you have to buy it for like two bucks off the gem store? Yeah. Well, no, that was true with the monthly as well. The, uh, the main thing with the two weeks was that you missed it. The two weeks was the, the days of all of it was temporary. Oh, then I missed that completely. I didn't realize that was the two-week area. I wasn't around for... I was one of my... Uh, one of the times I took maybe a month and a half, two-month break um, from Guild Wars. So yeah, mm. I still wish that I could get to that content somehow and, and replay it, because I just have to read about, you know these things happening um, with the uh, with the Molten Alliance and such. Well, you were around for some of it because Scarlet was happening during that period too. Like that was a roughly two, two-ish week cadence I all the way through Destruction of Lion's Arch. No, nah, because I, I was only around for the final Destruction of Lion's Arch, I think. Oh, I, okay. I think I logged in once or twice when that tower was up in Cassix Hills. And mm. then I remember um, Lion's Arch being a death zone. And <laughs> yep. then Scarlet was gone. <gasps> Okay, yeah. So you basically missed yeah. all of that. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with spirit on what you said. With for, there's actually sort of a combination of factors, both as a content producer and as a player. The month long content is just long enough to basically guarantee that you can see it if you want to, um, or at least it's a long enough period for you to be able to probably log in once to get it unlocked so that you can go back to it. But it's usually was sort of meaty enough that you could spend a good evening working on it and whereas the problem with the two week stuff was it was very it was very short i mean it, it was very reflective of the fact that they had to come out with you know 30 patches in one year or whatever it was mm -hmm. and you know a lot of it was fixing signposts right so that and this sort of ties into what we're going to talk about with the current events because a lot of that felt like some of these current events that we're having so both as a but as a content producer it was much easier to you'd have the week before a patch where you kind of knew what was coming and you could be excited then you had the week of the patch where everybody was really excited but you didn't want to talk about everything yet because you wanted to give time for people to do it then you had the week after the patch where then we sort of could talk about everything mostly and then we had the week after that which was when you sort of had your closing thoughts on the patch. And then the week after that was the week before the next patch. And you got to sort of start this rolling cycle. And so while there were down periods, there was also, um, I mean, it, it was much easier to stay at least moderately engaged over the course of the entire year, even if you took a month off here or there. Um, because the there was always something coming. The cycle was easier to get into and report on. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And it was easier to, yeah, it, so. Yeah, the yeah, thing I, I was going to say, I was mistakenly thinking that the content that you had to buy off the gem store was the two-week period, but that was the monthly period, you said? Yeah, that was when the, they moved it to the I actual... think that was my favorite, um, even though I wasn't around for most of uh, season one. Mm-hmm. But I did encounter with a, f- a few different players that I wanted to play, wanted to get back into Guild Wars with me, my brother being one of them, uh, was just supremely annoyed that their story content that is core to, you know, the lore and advancement of it, that, that had to be bought. That really annoyed some of my friends, and that kept them from coming back in the game. So that was my only um, qualm with uh, that that content. That's sort of interesting, because like, if if you asked me like what is acceptable to put in the gem store, I would be like story expansions. But I can totally see, see that too, like not you know not wanting that. It's that's a very interesting point because I think it's very fair in the sense that. The whole point, the fact that they give it to you for free for logging in for one second over a one month period is a, it's about the least intrusive way I can think of to raise player engagement where they, cause they want you to log in so that you'll play so that you'll be there as content effectively for other players. And also so that it'll raise your odds of purchasing something in the gem store and saying you can get basically two dollars worth of story content for free for logging in once is a really nice incentive to log in so i feel like that's i think that's why they did that and the reason that they charged was more like to encourage you to log in and play it live to keep the audience engaged so i feel like it was pretty fair i think that it would have behooved them to have made like a half off for the whole bundle sooner or something but yeah i don't know it's it's a tricky issue because you definitely want to maintain a consistent player base and that's that's sort of going to transition into what we're going to talk about with the current events stuff is that it's having trouble keeping a consistent player base logging in you know um to do things so i don't know i i felt pretty okay with how they handled that Anyway, okay, so Spirit, current events. You wanted to talk about that. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure where to start. Um, I think, so current events is sort of an interesting, like, we. I mean, we're going to talk about the details of it later, but, like, uh, I think it's a particularly relevant uh, display of having no communication and the types of sort of things that happen around that. So, mm-hmm. like, current event, name implies that this is going to be a temporary thing. I I mean, not like that it's going to go away, but eventually at some point, these current events are no no longer going to be relevant. We're going to be, you know, off to X-Pac 3 in Cantha and it's going to be great. And, you know, these events are no longer current. So what happens to them? Do they just, do we just rename them to, you know, not current events? (laughs) Like, does it go into some sort of historical category? Um, Are any of them going to be archived? Are they, you know, I, you know, at any point are we going to lose access to these achievements and things like that? And also um, uh, extra, extra relevant. Um, the latest current event is a NPC called Sace Bernhardt who sits up in uh, currently Frostgorge Sound and you get a little sort of, I don't want to say minigame, you get a, you get a Primordus go from her 
where it has a scavenger hunt with a radar and you you follow this radar to various locations and then you you tell her yep i've done this and she goes okay um the next location i'm going to be at is in snowden so this is all happening uh in concurrently with the uh rollback and things right so she she says yep i'm going to to high pass haven next and so players are hanging out in high pass haven waiting for her for an hour for two hours for six hours for a day now in two days why isn't she moving what's going on uh and i mean to some extent these sort of things uh current events are very much designed for players to have these sort of little threads and discover what's what's going on with them right so Mm -hmm. you know maybe she moves on a weekly basis but then you've got well, if she moves on a weekly basis, then what about people who missed the first week? What what happens for them if they want to go back? Or what if she doesn't ever go back to the first location? What if you didn't get to her during whatever? Like, we don't know when she moves. So, you know, what if she moves every three days and somebody didn't go and then she never, like, we just don't know. It's, sort of, it's just a very sort of bizarre situation. It's also not particularly relevant to the story or... um you know, you're not missing out on a ton. You are missing out on a free Primordis weapon, which we can come back to because Destroyer Scythe got added to the game. But uh, other than that, I don't know. It's just current events overall are in a very weird spot where there seems to be a lot of things that fall under that category. They tend to be somewhat interesting, at least to me. Like, I've gone and done most of them out of primarily achievement hunting reasons i guess um but it's really sort of fascinating to me to be you know when i talk to players i'm like uh hey you know so and so you want to go check out the current events and they're like nah i'm like okay and then they're like i don't have anything to do in this game like do you want to go check out the event they're like nah i just like they're they're interesting mechanically but it, it seems like an event or two is just not compelling to a player. Like an event is a is a thing that happens as you're going through a zone and you look at that and you say, ah, that's neat. But you don't seek them out to do them. And especially you don't seek them out to repeat them. Like even even I, who have gone to see most of these once, cannot be bothered to go back and do the anomaly however many. Like I need, I need it 10 times for the achievement. I've done it six. And if, you know, if I happen to be passing through the zone or whatever and it's going on, heck yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump right in there and, you know, do that sort of stuff. But it's sort of odd to me that while stuff is consistently being added to the game like this, people are going, oh, they're not adding anything to the game because they are, they aren't going to see it. I don't know. Like, it's just I've seen this consistently with multiple people as well. Like, it's, I'm not just picking on any one person here. They're just it doesn't seem to be compelling enough to bring people in, which I think is disappointing. Like, I, would, well, I mean, I'd, I would hope yeah, people would want to go check it out. See, that's it's I think this is great discussion because. I, this ties back into the lack of communication. I don't know what the current events are as like from without being in game. And and I know that we talk about wanting them to communicate things in game rather than out of game, but I, I have, I have no idea what they are. I, I didn't, I don't even know what you're talking about have we because I, mail for these? I don't think we have for all of them. Have we? No, interestingly, so I'm trying to say the F and the I word like less than normal this episode, but it's going to happen. Sorry. So interestingly enough, the uh, current events tab, most of those achievements do not open by themselves. You have to go out and discover, um, you know, you have to encounter something in the world before. Yeah, or like get a drop 
Um, like, like the encoded orders are an example of that. We talked about that in the past. Um, the, uh, there was an unidentified lodestone that you're supposed to take to an NPC and that sort of kicks off these like mini quest chains almost. But, and, you know, we've also talked about how it happens organically and it's really like a really nice game experience, right? To go out, find these encoded orders, you turn them into this NPC and then there's this whole little like little quest chain that you've never noticed before that that kicks off sort of in this way but at the same time if it's if it's your primary form of content and people aren't playing your game and you're not letting people know that there is con the new content or things to be checked out then it's not dragging people in back you're absolutely right yeah that's and that's exactly what i was trying to say is that it's really cool for people who are actively playing the game but for the people that have kind of hit burnout they don't know what it is and they don't know that it exists or they may know that it exists in an abstract sense, but they don't actually know any specific thing that exists. And yeah, I, I mean, I also, don't know. I've if done... you're, oh, if, go ahead. Oh, sorry. If you are uh, in the old world, I mean, you have to be in the old world to old world to get a lot of this stuff, don't you? To get these drops to, to encounter them where if you are coming back to the game and playing um, Heart of Thorns, you are there, not where this is happening. That's true. Um, off the top of my head, I would say probably 80% of this new content is happening in Corteria, um, with hook like hooks, I guess, being possible in other areas. Like these um, bloodstone-crazed creatures, one of them is a wyvern. So you can encounter the wyvern, you know, all these people show up, uh, what's going on, what's going on? And you can find that out, you know, like there are other ones to be hunted in Corteria. Um, things like the encoded orders drop off any bandit type mob. So um, I think I've gotten some in raids even. Uh, I think I killed Sabatha and got encoded orders. <laughs> so uh, that one should be really important. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just some really boring note like, boss, I would like to requisition some vacation time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the, there's a. The hooks are sort of out there, but the actual content, I would say, yes, is is primarily in Corteria. So yeah, again, if you are playing, you know, if you do come back and play Living Story and you're a Bloodstone fan, or if you come back and you play Heart of Thorns, you probably aren't going to see a lot of that. That's absolutely... And I, I really enjoyed the ones, the orders that we're talking about, but I don't think I found them organically. I think Eric told me about them and I hunted them down. I really enjoyed that and I liked the lore that was associated with it. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't just find it. I was told about it. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, so now now that I'm sort of thinking about this, it's, again, we don't, nobody has any official confirmation, but it feels like everybody agrees that these current events are what has come from the ashes of the Legendary Journey team. And if that is the case, I know that for me, working on a Legendary will keep me logging in and working a little bit every day or every couple days for a couple months. Um and this doesn't. I mean, I, that's. I really don't have anything else to say about yeah, it. I don't. I mean, I mean, that's. That's absolutely fair. It's cool. So that's yeah, a reason for me to want legendaries to come back because if ever if I have more people playing, that's more content for me. Or or something, something. or more communication on it. Yeah. I mean, there have been these new current events all what every couple weeks, right? But mm -hmm. we don't know about them unless we go, you know, go find them and do them, which. You know, theoretically, we should be, but eh. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyway, well, we talked about that for a long time, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, do you guys do you guys want to move on, or is there anything else you wanted to talk about, or with that? So, would you so. go ahead? Would you want ArenaNet to 
stop doing current events or would you want them to continue? Like, do you think they're worth doing? They would be a lot cooler if the living story chapters were coming out once a month, even if they were coming out with divided up however much we get by, you know, divided by three or four, um, just to give you sort of that slow drip of like actual story content, I guess, Mm -hmm. with also current events. So it's kind of a complicated question to answer. See, that's a, that's our third buzzword is complicated. Or at least yeah. that's my third buzzword. <laughs> um, it's a complicated question. I, I, I don't know. Because the other problem is that legendaries aren't for everybody. There's a lot of people that don't have the time, the resources, or the inclination or interest to do legendaries. So that's, you know, I, I have no idea what the numbers are like on, on the percentage of the population that that speaks for. So... I, I guess it's just kind of an eh, other than the fact that I'm disappointed that there's not any more legendaries. So I, I, I enjoyed them when I did them, though. So they're not bad content. If anything, it's sort of more of a messaging problem, I feel like, sort of. I don't know. Thought-provoking commentary. <laughs> so the next topic we had, uh, actually, we have two topics, and they're sort of inverses of each other, sort of related, is, is the game aging well? Does it hold up to other MMOs coming out these days? What do you guys think? I think that uh, I might not be the best one to speak on this because I was Guild Wars one an MMO. I, I you hear different things from different people. I consider it to be one, even though the devs themselves, you know, called it a CO RPG, mm-hmm. Com- mm-hmm. like cooperative online RPG. I consider it to be an MMO in the sense that. <sighs> At the time, most MMOs had much lower populations than the big MMOs do these days, barring World of Warcraft because it had like a billion. But the the threshold for being considered an MMO was lower, and the Dungeons and Dragons online was an MMO, which for all intents and purposes had the same system of Guild Wars, I believe. I never played it, but this is my understanding, which was that most of the game was instance content that you went into with a party and then there were some shared areas and that's nobody ever complains that that's not an mmo so then i i consider it like an mmo with like an asterisk like an mmo light okay (laughs) because then if uh if it is an mmo light the only mmos i've played would be guild wars 2 guild wars and a little bit of wow i didn't even make max level in wow when the level cap was 80 so I think it's aging well as compared to WoW, because I got into WoW when it was Death Knight. What, that was six or seven or eight years in? Sure. Yeah, Death Knights were, were the cool new thing. And so, yeah, when comparing it to uh, World of Warcraft, which is, you know, the MMO, I think it's aging well, in my opinion. Kate, you've played more MMOs since Guild Wars 2 came out than either of us. How do you, how do you feel it stands up? Uh... Aside from the biased answer that obviously we're Guild Wars 2 podcast. Yeah. Um, so in my personal opinion as a Guild Wars 2 podcaster, uh, I find that I have enjoyed the combat and it has by and large been more fluid than any other game I've played since. I have not played Blade and Soul. I have played Black Desert. I have played Terra. I've played Terra extensively. I've played Terra to the end game a couple times. Um yeah, I don't want to get into my terror time here, although I could talk about that for a while as well. Um, I know that graphically, uh, and I'm not the best person to talk about like the technical aspects of the game, I know that Guild Wars 2 still runs on DX9, and people have 
disappointments about that. I know that Guild Wars 2 does not scale properly for 4K displays, and people have problems with that. Again, not something I've encountered yet. Um, in terms of just how the game looks and runs on my computer, which is now getting to be old, this computer was built, I believe, for Guild Wars 2, right before it launched. Um, God, that's depressing to realize. My computer was also built right before Guild Wars 2 launched, and yeah. that means it's sort of, by definition, getting older. Yeah. So, I mean, it runs, you know, and looks really nice on, you know, the system that is now aging. Uh, and it has only continued to get better. For, like, it looked nice when it started, but I would say the hot map set a new uh, sort of level of, wow, this game is looks nice the one, one thing that stands out i know it's a, like totally different animals uh, especially because gilders 2's maps are much more heavily instanced but when i played black desert oh my god the pop-in <laughs> like oh my god oh my yeah. god yeah. and Terra, um again totally dis- different aesthetic style but uh it looks a bit like ours <laughs> compared to gilders 2 um yeah, I guess it's sort of the, you know, not necessarily how it holds up to other games, but one thing that I've always been disappointed to in, in Guild Wars 2's sort of art style is when you look off in the distance, things are really washed out and, like, culled out, and it's not very sort of nice to look at. Um, whereas in especially Black Desert and Terra, both, um, I would look off in the distance and I would see something, I'd be like, yeah, I want to go over there. Guild Wars 2 is sort of like a slow meander around the ground. Like, everything around me is really cool, but off there, I kind of want to go there, but it kind of looks like that's half a cliff because something is not loading in properly. <laughs> yeah. You've had it's... that train of thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that in terms of graphics, I think that Guild Wars 2 actually has my favorite overall world aesthetic still. I think that they have taken a lot more effort to craft, especially with the newer maps, very gorgeous environments without resorting to extremely high polygon counts, but instead just being extremely well crafted. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot, especially in the Asian MMOs, a lot of them focus on extremely high fidelity on character models, um, which is fine. But to be honest, the majority of what the, what I spend my time looking at in MMOs is the world that I'm in, not my character. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, we all love dress-up wars, but um, I have found a lot of the Korean MMOs, especially, to have really poor textures and things like that. And a lot of, honestly, a lot of what kind of reminds me of like Guild Wars 1 style of terrain, where it's just like a lot of flat little planes. Um I don't know how to describe it really, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I think it definitely holds up there. How how do you feel about it in terms of innovation of mechanics? It's obviously very different because we don't have a hard trinity, although we do now have healers. But uh, do you think, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you've, you've played more MMOs than I have, especially newer ones. Like, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts, especially with, with some of the ones like Black Desert? Uh, you know, it's sort of tough to say. Um, one thing, Guild Wars 2 is just sort of, like, no, you know, all together, like, the three MMOs that I have played recently, so Black Desert, Terra, and Guild Wars 2, are all very, very different animals. Um, Mm -hmm. they all sort of cater to different, I don't want to say different playstyles, because Guild Wars 2 and Black Desert are both very much about the explorer, right? Like, 
go out there and see stuff but they they all do it in different ways and i have different tolerances of different things because the context for the game is different uh so the fact that you know i have to carry my stuff everywhere in black desert and inventory space is a nightmare <laughs> like i'm infinitely more tolerant of it in black desert because that is um you know that that's what i've signed up to play right is this game where uh you know it's sort of more realistic or whatever so i think and unfortunately i'm not well equipped enough to talk about it. i think uh comparing it to games like swotor or rift or wow um would probably be better comparisons mechanically just because they're such different animals i guess terra in a, in a way as well um but guild wars 2 there's so many times so many times that i've you know, I'm like, oh, I'm just kind of tired of Guild Wars 2. I'll pick something else up and see what else is out there. Actually, Wildstar. I played Wildstar very briefly, but that ended in flames. Um, <laughs> I go to another game. Wildstar is a great example of this. And I, I pick it up and I start playing. And I go, gosh, I wish I could do this thing that Guild Wars 2. And it's a... N- Guild Wars 2 does. And it's a number of things. I have not played another game since Auto Salvage came out. But I can tell you right now <laughs> that if I opened up Terra or Black Desert or Wildstar, I would be like, you want me to do what? <laughs> yeah, like, say what now? Excuse yeah. me? Oh my gosh. That single quality of life change is so amazing. But I mean, it's other stuff too. It's um, dodging. Like, yeah, you, you get really used to being able to dodge, don't you? Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. Terra, Terra has it. Some other games have it. It's becoming a lot more prevalent. Like a very uh, movement-based combat system is becoming a lot more prevalent but uh <laughs> anytime i pick up a game where i can't dodge i'm like oh no um deposit all collectibles um mm-hmm. moving while Just... casting spells things like that uh which ironically guild wars 2 has done from the beginning are just like so good <laughs> i haven't found the a game only thing i don't like about dodging in guild wars 2 is that they're invincibility frames and i think what was it was uh one of the new Castlevania games, I was playing Lords of Shadow, and I dodged directly towards like this hammer that was going towards my face, and lo and behold, bam, I got smacked in the face. I'm like, hey, oh, oh, physics. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I think I said this, I don't remember exactly when I said it, but I did say it quite a while ago. It's, I think the most telling time will be around five to seven years after Guild Wars 2 released where because mmos take about that long to make and so any of the mmos that have come out since guild wars 2 came out were in development before guild wars 2 and so Mm -hmm. a lot of those quality of life things just didn't exist when those games were being designed so i think it's going to be really interesting to see how guild wars 2 influences the the truly next generation of mmos and it's still we're still not there yet that's i mean that's how long it takes to make mmos um because you're right i think if nothing else, we can say that Guild Wars 2 nailed quality of life on so many aspects, both in terms of just just simple mechanical keystroke saving things, even though we complain about, you know, keystroke things. But yeah, even though some just, of those things we always complain and say they're late, like the wallet came out what, 11 months after release, but it was awesome. And yeah. Yeah. And and like that also includes things like monetization of bank space like it is monetized but the amount of bank space and utility you can get without paying a dime is frankly incredible in this game compared to most mmos these days especially Mm -hmm. free-to-play mmos um so 
at the very least in the quality of life department, I still think that nothing really compares to it. And that's that's very impressive. I mean, they they started out their design of wanting to be a game that respects your time and that takes away a lot of those pain points in standard MMOs. So I think that they, at the very least, succeeded there. And I think that they also succeeded in differentiating themselves because they didn't want to use the standard mechanisms for dealing with problems. And we can argue day and night about whether or not the lack of a Holy Trinity has been a boon or a bane for the game. But at the very least, it means that it's fairly unique. And I have not seen very many games come out that have been that bold with making a design decision since. And so, you know, that's, yeah, that's that's another hats off to them, so... Also, is this the first MMO that's ever come out with an ex- with like a that has levels and has come out with an expansion and not raised the level cap? I don't know. Is it? It feels it like it is. It well might not be. be. I cannot name any that. I don't know if it is, but I cannot name any that didn't raise the level cap. With yeah, expansion. the only thing I can think of is like maybe Eve, but that's sort of not applicable because that's a very it's Eve. It, yeah, it's Eve. It's yeah, Eve. Eve is its own yeah. genre at this point. Yeah, it really is. Um. Yeah, so I mean, I have to give him give him credit for that too. Um, so with that, I think that really pretty much brings us to our last topic, which was the only other topic Rabin explicitly wanted to talk <laughs> about, which is the question of is the game dying? And since Rabin called that out specifically at the very beginning of the episode, I'm going to give you first dibs at this topic. Okay, cool. And I don't think I'm going to speak to is the game dying as much as my personal feelings on is the game dying. Um, and maybe I'm just getting ready to take another break like I've done over the, what, the four years. I think I've taken, what, two or three, couple month-long breaks. And I think sometimes you just gotta step away from MMOs. But, anyway. Uh, is the game dying in general? I don't know. I don't think I'm really gonna speak to that much. But for me, raids have really pulled, um, the core, uh, group of people that I do things with, on um, in our guild and then other people on my friends list to just raids, 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 getting ready for raids, and gearing for raids, and raids. And, you know, I like the idea of raids, and they look awesome, and I wish I had the time to do them. But the fact that um, people on my friends list and so on are running in there and saying, oh, I've got to do this, got to get this ready, and they won't, like, be available for a dungeon run, or just hanging out like they used to, and their core focus is going to doing raids. I think that has kind of kind of uh, made the game less interesting for me, and it's it shows me that I was more invested in the community like I... Well, I'm invested in the community like I always thought I have been for Guild Wars. But the community seems to be shifting, at least the community that I've been interacting with. So that's all I really wanted to say about the game is dying. So for me, it seems like it's dying, but I would also say check back with me in a couple months and see if I'm like back on fire for Guild Wars and playing all the time again. <laughs> Fair. Uh, Spirit, do you have thoughts? Oh, Especially oh one coming... more thing. One more thing. Oh. Um, and I agree with uh, what I think you had said in the, in the pre-show. Maybe you just put it in the notes here. Um, how... Uh, you can, there's only so many uh, skins and shinies you can have, and there's stuff that's come out in the gen store and costumes. And I think um, I think Spirit and Christian were both there. Maybe you're there too, Grybuck. When uh, I got all of the uh, the costume, all the elements that I wanted for my Revenant, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to play this one anymore. His costume's done. <laughs> and it really kind of feels that way. I've played my, my Revenant, but once I got the hammer, the armor set, and everything I wanted, it's like, oh, Fashion Wars is over. Like, is this really the only reason I play this game? Oh my gosh. But yeah, I don't want to be spending more money in the gem store on new things when I've got most of my uh, my characters, my mains, which it seems like I'm getting more of them all the time. <laughs> um, set up. So yeah, that's all the only, thing, only other thing I wanted to touch on. What do you guys think? 
spirit, especially coming from the raider side of the equation. Well, I mean, I I have talked already enough about you know my sort of feelings on raids and how I feel that it's um, working to prevent the game from dying rather than causing that issue. But I definitely hear where you're coming from, and I've it's a complaint that I've seen from more than one person is you know. Um, we actually so i've got one more question for you guys after this yeah uh, okay so one of the complaints that i've i've seen is um there is a lot less to do if you if you just want to log on and chill you're like man i got like half an hour after dinner whatever before dinner i just want to log on to guild wars and do some stuff the it, the game is really not not nearly as friendly to that right now as it used to be if you've completed sort of all the core content the core content is very, very good at that. Like, if you just want a good half an hour experience in a game, you know, and if you if you haven't played through all that stuff yet, you haven't explored all your maps yet, go, go do them. They're great. There's all kinds of great stuff to find in there. Um, if, yeah, but Heart of Thorns definitely as a whole and the game recently, because we are still in sort of the patch cycle post Heart of Thorns, has been much less about that of also sort of going back i think bloodstone fen is a really good like that is my go-to place now where it's like i've got 15 minutes i need to i just want to do something that'll be useful i'm gonna fly around bloodstone fen for a bit and i can just gather some nodes gather some unbound magic do an event or two and then i you know go off and do whatever i was gonna do um sure but by and large the sort of like yeah let's get together and do a dungeon yeah let's get together and do this mini dungeon yeah let's get together and do a jumping puzzle like they've just been done <laughs> we're just done with them um and i yeah i hope sort of we see more of that kind of content coming back like i would just like some more some more freeform stuff like the meta events and stuff are, are all great experiences i don't want to like diminish what they've done for the game at all but you know as we're looking forward that's what i'd like to see more of is more sort of freeform stuff sure um yeah i think you've touched on a good a good point and it really comes down to development opportunity cost more than anything else because from Vraben's point of view it's like the only people that he sees online consistently are people that are doing raids and so in a sense that feels like raids are sort of killing the game for non-raiders but then I also think that Spirit's right that the people who are doing raids if raids weren't there wouldn't be doing anything anymore because they are the hardest of the hardcore and we've done everything. And so the real question is about non-raid content or lack thereof. And, you know, it, development doesn't work like you can just say the raid team just do whatever else and it would output as much um, engaging content as they are currently doing. Like, if the raid team were to make casual content, they may still only be able to make the same number of encounters. But if those encounters were not challenging and were just sort of steamrolls, then everybody would be finished with them extremely quickly. And then we'd sort of be where we're at with current events, which is that you do them quickly and then they're done and they're not engaging either. So I think that sort of really just comes down to a, a question of opportunity cost and resource management that we can't know. And and part of this is going to be contingent on when the next expansion comes out and how much content is there and how we feel about that because they've uh, already stated they were actively working on that effectively as soon as Heart of Thorns was finished. So, but we d we don't know when it's coming. We don't know what's in it. 
other than hopefully more specializations and masteries <laughs> and maps like we maps, we don't actually know anything maps is a big thing i like to see because as you as you're talking about this and i'm digesting it i'm thinking the other thing i'd like to see in maps are you know you need maps for this is more events i've always liked their event system and i thought it was great mm-hmm. and how sometimes events change and replace quests even I thought when Guild Wars 2 was coming out, oh, taking out quests is awful. I love, you know, lots of text and uh, running around doing things. But the event system was just so unique. I mean, when, when it came out, it was the only MMO that was doing that, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And I would love to see more events, because events was the core of Guild Wars 2. In a lot of ways, it still is. Because, I mean, I've been on, I've done map completion. I've been everywhere in the game. And I would say that there's still, the last time that I went to, went to, uh, left northeast of Gandaran Fields. Um, I forget what that one is. The snowy place. Oh, um, Har- oh, not Harathi. Uh, oh, right, that's... Uh, Something drifts, maybe? Pit? It's no- Snowden. Is it- yeah, it is Snowden. Snowden, yeah. So I was, last yeah. time I was there, I found an event chain that I'd never seen before. And I think events are just so cool. I'd like to see them developed and done more in, in, in the game. But anyway, that was just a little side tangent. Yeah, and I also, speaking of maps, I also agree with Spirit. Bloodstone Fen has been a great addition to the game, and it's definitely, when I'm playing, it is what I'm doing. It's hanging out or gliding or, I, I mean, as dumb as it is, gathering Unbound Magic is just so addictively fun for me, and it's so, like, I recognize that it's kind of dumb. You're literally just flying into floating spheres, but something about it, especially just taking place in the beautiful map and... Or, like an in game, I yeah, I I dig it. So it is nice to see a more effective, um, I think, use of the gliding system or the gliding system fleshed out a little more. Yeah, a more engaging, a more engaging. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I mean, I'll just I'll just say what I put in in the notes about is the game dying. I said yes, but only insofar as every MMO is dying from the moment that it starts. Effectively, um, people stop playing as much as time goes on. And even the juggernaut that is World of Warcraft has been losing players for years and years and years. So, you know, but there's still a lot of people playing. And I don't think that they've done anything that is catastrophic in terms of hemorrhaging players. I know that, you know, Heart of Thorns drove some, made some people frustrated or whatever um, in certain aspects. But I, I think that there's a strong player base that's still playing. And I think that they're doing fine for the most part despite the fact that we've just spent god how long has it been an hour and a half talking <laughs> about our pain points um you know it yeah i'm i'm not worried so and i i mean despite the fact that i had things that i was saying i was frustrated with i loved heart of thorns i i think it was great i was not disappointed with it um you know like i said i wish that some of the things that came out in the quarter one patch were how it shipped but i i played it a lot like a lot and I was happy, and that makes me excited for whatever's coming next. So, yeah, I, that's that's really all I got to say on that. So, anybody else have any closing thoughts, or are you guys about ready to wrap this one up for this week? Slash, you had another question, right, Spirit? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, looking. Forward, oh, right. Yes. I guess so. We could go one of two ways. Would you rather make predictions about next year or would you rather name like your top three features from x-pack 2 like what is x-pack 2 to look to you and like the top three things you'd want to see the top three things you want to see oh um rabin what would you rather do or you can answer either or both uh when you say features you just anything that we've had or do you want me to go future or past I'm, i'm confused so like so here just to give you like my example 
So if I if I were uh, El Capitan of X Pack Two, which is totally how that goes, um, yeah, uh, we would be going to Cantha. Um, they would add a new round of elite specs. You know, like Ridgelist and Assassin would come back, and you know maybe faction battles and dungeons are coming back. And those are like my top three things that I want to see in Cantha. Yeah, her questions were what what are the top three things you want to see versus things that you think will actually we will see because those are not the same question i mean they can uh, be realistic but you know tailored well, to you sure yeah really so answer however you want for Evan. i'd want to see i want to know i mean i want to answer in the next x-pack of what happened to the human gods um i would not mind going back into even if it was a raid that i never saw i would love just my guildies doing it and the lore being released if um, it was a raid into the Fisher of Woe or the uh, Domain of Anguish or um, the uh, Underworld. So yeah, the Elite Zones from Guild yeah, Wars. Yeah, Elite Zones from Guild Wars, exactly. That, that's what I'd like to see. The biggest thing I'd like to see. In, in, uh, and you could do that. I think you could. I think those could be married. You could have um, some sort of uh, raid going into the Underworld or Fisher of Woe, and it could do some uh, explanation of what happened to the human gods. So, yeah, that's what I'd like to see in the next X-Pack. Fair enough. Um, I'm not going to speculate on what I think we're going to get. I'm just going to, because it's, that's t- too hard for me to answer. I'm sure you can tell how I am the type of person that like can't predict something that with that many factors. Um, what I want to see, I clearly want to see more elite specializations because I think that they were a really cool system that they promised to expand on that really will only show its true potential if it is expanded on. So I hope, I really hope that they keep with that. Um, because I thought they were really cool, and I want more options. I want some options for the classes that I didn't particularly like their elite specs or care for them. Um, and I want some choices. Like, I, I, yeah, I don't know what I want. Um, but I would love to see us return to either Cantha or Alona. I, I have a personal preference for Alona, but I would be perfectly happy going back to Cantha. Those are both such huge areas to draw from for artistic inspiration. And one of the coolest things, in my opinion, with the release of Guild Wars 2 was getting to see how familiar sites had changed in the ensuing 250 years. And yeah. so those are entire continents to do that as well. Um, so I, I really hope that they expand uh, in either of those two directions. And consequently, I think that they would be perfect ways to introduce old classes as um elite specs so ritualist as we talked about would be a fantastic necromancer spec um dervish would be a really cool any of the medium armor professions really it could be a, a cool um yeah I, I don't know what it would be it now that i'm thinking about it you'd probably have to yeah dervish is dervish is a problem but you could in, <laughs> implement some of the dervish uh because we i don't think they're ever going to add a new weapon type but you could implement some of the dervish concepts which to some extent the reaper did i'm sure you could work that into other classes um paragon being another sort of shout buff class um you know could go on the specialization could is a go good, on perfect way to implement these yeah exactly um like paragon could be on revenant things like that so i i want to see that and i want to see them explore that i want to go back to a place that we've gone before and see big changes and i want I want the story from this living story season to segue well into the expansion story. So that sort of is a combo of living story plus expansion, but I thought that they did a really good job with Heart of Thorns um, 
tying into the end of the previous living living world. And so I I want us to be able to speculate about expansion two before we even know anything about it purely from what we see evolve in living story. So I think that I think that's their intent. So I'm excited to, you know, hopefully see them pull that off. Cool. Just because I have to keep up with us being cynical, because that's what we do in the show. <laughs> that's Expanding, how we Yeah, I guess. Or maybe it's just because I'm, 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 I'm getting over a cold and I want to be grumpy. If they... Uh, what, I, what I really hope they don't do, the one thing that I want to see least is pulling the plug on the uh, specializa- specializations that come with a whole new system, which they seem to tend to do in this game. Yeah, that, I mean, that would... That would be the worst thing ever. That would be soul-crushing. I'd yeah. be so angry. <laughs> They're... There would not be a long enough podcast that I could record <laughs> to contain how frustrated capital I F would frustrated. be. Capital F. Capital capital entire word. Caps locks <laughs> frustrated. Um I don't think that's gonna happen. I think I think they're really gonna stick with it this time. I hope. I have to believe. I want to believe. Um yeah. Anyway. Um I think I'm going to call it here unless there was a cast cast that's not in the notes. Uh, no, I totally didn't prepare one. But if you want, I can just say the cast cast. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to call it here because we're at an hour and 40 minutes in terms of real recording time. Although that's probably going to get cut down by about 10 minutes in editing. But uh, we've gone long. We've talked a lot about where we've gone. And we've talked a little bit about where we're going. I think we all share some of the same frustrations. But I think we're all at least pretty hopeful about where it's going and enjoying the things that we are getting. Would you say that that's an accurate summary of the last hour and 40 minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me. Even those of you who are sick or smell like lemons. Um, <laughs> we know who we are. Yeah. Well, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> and thank you anybody who's uh, still listening and we will be back uh, soonish. <laughs> Very committal. Uh, oh, and next week is PAX. So, We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about whatever happens because I'll be going to the party as usual, but there's probably not going to be any news. So mostly it'll just be uh, something like a trader arcade, probably of anything random that I saw that was cool. So Sweet. sounds good. Cool. All right. We will be back soonish. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofor.com. Email us at relicsofor at gmail.com or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.